2: Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints.
3: Fox Sports radio. Radio, radio, radio. This is Up on Game. Caught by Houshman for the touchdown. You want NFL experience? Manning it for touchdown. And it's intercepted. LeVar Arrington. This is the show for you with LeVar Arrington.
4: Matt Corral could possibly play himself into the starting job.
3: T.J. Houshmanzada. They lose first round. Mike McCarthy's out of there. And Plaxico Burris.
5: Tom Brady's no longer there. It's turned into a dictatorship up there in New the England. Three
3: of the best to ever do it on and off the field. Live from the Fox Sports Radio studios. Here's pro bowlers LeVar Arrington, T.J. Houshmanzada, and Super Bowl champion Plaxico Burris. Hey, you time
6: to go hunt now.
4: All right, all right. Welcome into the show. It is Super Bowl Eve. This is up on game. Welcome you guys in. We are broadcasting live from the tirerack.com studios. Tirerack.com will help you get there an unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tirerack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right. Talking Niners Chiefs, obviously they face off tomorrow in the Super Bowl. We'll get to some other things. NFL awards given out. Did anybody have any major issues out there on there, huh? What about, uh, well, you know, the Chicago Bears and what it would take for them to give up that top pick. We'll talk about a lot of different things today. We don't have TJ today, but we do have Plexico. What's happening, my guy? Oh man, you know how we
5: do it, man. We're, it's like you said, man. A Super Bowl Eve, Super Bowl Eve, man. One of my favorite weekends of the year. Somebody will be crowned a new world champion tomorrow for uh, having the uh, opportunity to, to fulfill a life, life turn, life long dream. And
4: oh man, what a great day to be alive, man. When you look at this matchup and and we're getting closer and closer to the game now you got the 14 and 5 49ers you got the 14 and 6 chiefs Uh, It's considered to be an away game for the san francisco 49ers in terms of uh san fran at kansas city as as it's it's stated so they get to wear their home uniforms kansas city and the niners will not going into the game Right now, what's your, what are you looking at as must do's uh, for
5: for these teams? Uh, I would say must do's. I, I just think for for San Francisco offensively, it's going to come down to um, you know, um, can and how many Brock, uh, mistakes that Brock Purdy will not have. And I, I say that because you know I've played on this stage, and man, it's a hell of a stage to be on. Um, you know he, he's a young kid, and and you know when you're out there and you make a mistake, you know you kind of mentally, you know you say to yourself, all right, you know I, I cannot continue to make mistakes and mistakes, and you and you put pressure on yourself. So I, I would just say that for them, Steve Spagnuolo calling this defense, man, he's going to have some wrinkles for this young man that he hasn't seen yet. He's going to challenge him in the back end to make. Decision like taking away his first read. Um, I think that Cal Shanahan will come out to in this game tomorrow and really try to get him comfortable in the first drive with you know throwing the ball sideline to sideline, screen pass, screen pass, you know some you know some quick outs, quick slants, you know things like that to kind of get him settled in. Mm. Um, I just think that you know when it when it comes to those you know those third and eights, those thirty nines. I just think for, you know, uh Steve Bagnuolo's defense uh, in his secondary, they're going to have some wrinkles. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, he he's, he's going to fool them a few times. Steve Spagnuolo, he 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 he's not new to this, he's true to this. Mm-hmm. He's taken down some of the all-time great quarterbacks in in, in these games. And I, I just think for for Kansas City that, you know, it's it's another it's another day for them. You know, they're they're, uh, they're not going to budge. They're not going to blink. They've been there four out of the last five years. They understand the magnitude of this. And, you know, you just can't go against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in this game, I would just say, mainly because of experience. You know, if if they have a bad play or one or two, they know how to overcome it and and being able to put, put those things behind them and continue to play football. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different, uh, you know, stage for, for, for San Francisco, I would say, because all the pressure's on them. They have to win this football game. I would say the most important person in this game tomorrow is Kyle Shanahan. You know, he needs to win this football game because it's going to come down to, okay, Andy Reid beat you twice. You're you're a great regular season coach, but you can't get win the big game. So I think for him it's a lot of pressure – on Cal Shanahan. And I just think that, you know, experience is going to pay off on the Kansas City side because I just believe that Andy Reid, when it comes to a chess match, he's going to have the upper hand and those few calls that he makes. Mm.
4: Let me ask you this before I get my opinion on it. Let me ask you, you, you mentioned it's just another game and and just, you know, how that feels. Can you take us through how that... How that emotional, mental moment compares to you know re- the regular season, or even to somebody who's never played the game. What like what emotions do you feel, or what what is it that you know when you see the lights and you come out? It, it's the Super Bowl, right. or while, how long you're in the locker room? Like, can you walk us through that?
5: Man, you know, man, um, the other day I was watching, you know, I was watching uh, Brock Purdy, uh, his interview on the national media day on Tuesday. And he sat, sat at that podium and in front of all those reporters, and he said, it's just another football game. Mm-hmm. It is not. When you get into this game tomorrow, I remember standing, you know, in the back in this tunnel. I was the last person to come out of that tunnel. And, man, y- your heart is beating so fast, you want to get to start the playing. But you have to calm yourself down to not like, blow, a, blow a fuse in, in like the pregame because it's like 20, 30 minutes before when you come out of the tunnel and before the actual kickoff with all the festivities and, uh, and, uh, and Star spangled Band and all of those things. And, man, I'm not lying, man. When, when they raised those NY flags up and we ran on that field, the moment I stepped foot on that field, for the next four hours, man, I did not feel my feet hit the ground. Mm. I mean, it's that exhilarating of a feeling to be out there and understand, you're like, damn, this is for it all. Like, I'm here. And and the the first thing you think about, it, it takes you back to your childhood. When you first started playing football. Like, your mom and your dad, they drop you off. And from that first day, As a young man, you wanted to get to this point. And now you're there. And you got – I was on the sideline saying to myself, I was like, man, I'm here, but it's still a football game to be played. Like, you're so excited mentally that you have to, you know, bring it back down to really focus on your job at hand. And when the game started – I said to myself, I said, man, oh, my gosh, man, this is the this is the most physical, fastest football game I've ever been a part of. And from a from a, uh, you know, a technical standpoint, scheme or whatever the case may be, man, everybody did their job to the T. And you played so hard that you couldn't play harder. I've never played a harder football game. And my life, and you understand when you get there how much it means to everybody just on the level of effort that you're given, because you've never given this kind of effort before. You surprise yourself. Right, like you ain't know you could get that type of effort. You, you did not know that you could do this. And the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the young men that you're in the huddle with and the men across the ball, like they, we bring it out of each other. And you're like, man. Everybody is playing like balls to the wall, fast, effort, physical. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody
4: cares about nothing but winning that football game. Mm, that's 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 amazing to me. Um, so I, I'll say this going into the game, as as I look at the week and how it's unfold, I think Tooney's is going to be a big a big loss. They're going to have to, you know figure out how they're going to move um the the offense chief's line with without one of their pro bowlers um uh-huh. and you know what when i look at you know they they you know you look at some of the injury report and you see a toe for george kittle or a knee and foot for eric armstead or you know a guy like trent williams is on rest like when you when you see those notes when you're looking at the game coming into it you wonder like okay they just have him listed because he's on the list. But is he listed because there's some sort of significance to it? You know, I try to look at, like, the small little details yeah. of it. You know what I mean? And and does that become a factor in why something happened differently than what it did if – or it would have if that person wasn't, you know, on the injury report and you are wondering if that injury plays a part. But looking at this as a whole, I really believe that – Kansas City is going to be able to run the ball. I think they're going I, to be I able really to establish do. the run. I think Pacheco runs that ball hard as hell. I think Andy Reid, while you're giving Kyle Shanahan the, the nod as the most important player in this one, I'm going to give it to Andy Reid. And the reason why I'm going to give it to him and Spagnola as a as a 1A is because Andy Reid knows he has to control – the line of scrimmage and he knows he has to control the flow of this game. Which they can. Which the, if they can run the ball, I believe they can. That becomes a much easier a route for them to do so. Let me give you a stat. The San Francisco
5: 49ers in the last two games in the playoffs, they are giving up 158 yards on the ground and 5.6 yards a carry. That's almost six yards a carry. In the regular season, that is dead last out of 32 teams in the NFL. Jeez. So when you say that the Kansas City Chiefs can go out there and establish the run, you are exactly right. If I'm Andy Reid – and I'm looking at you know this this defensive front which hasn't been very active up to this point everybody knows about Chase Young and everybody's talking about the effort he was given uh in that Detroit, in in that Detroit game or whatever the case may be but I think he is going to stick he's going to stay true to himself run the football and let Patrick Mahomes work off the run game, which he's going to be nothing but sensational. So I do expect Kansas City to run the football and run it fairly well.
4: I believe that is a problem if (laughs) – that is a problem if they're able to establish the run because now – you have to play you have to play run heavy versus try to cover the pass. And we all know yes. Patrick Mahomes is is going against a, a team that has to play the run. Um, it could it could get messy. Yeah, know? and one of the things about San Francisco defensively, a lot of people don't know this, but
5: Steve Wilkes likes to play a seven man box. Because he feels that he has, you know, Fred Warner and Greenlaw and, uh, and 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 Bosa, that they can get to the quarterback and stop the run out of seven man front. Because he wants to play a two high safety shell, so he's going to have to make a decision. He's not going to be able to let Kansas City run the ball with a two high safety. He's going to have to play some single coverage in this football game, which I think he will be able to get away with because of the single fact that. These wide receivers have not been that productive uh, all season long. We see Rasheed Rice, he's coming on. So Patrick Mahomes is leaning on him a little bit more, trusting him. MVS, we saw the play that he made, you know, the ice game against uh, the, the Detroit Lions, and everybody knows about Kelsey. I think that they're going, they're going to have to find a way to stop Kelsey from getting double-digit catches. Mm. So with that being said – you're going to have to put that that eighth man in the box and get out of that zone defense because Steve Wilkes does not want to put those corners and those safeties in one-on-one situations because he doesn't want to give up the big play. So he's going to have to make a decision tomorrow. Either play single high, put the eighth man in the box, to stop the run because you're not going to be able to stop the Kansas City Chiefs
4: with a seven-man box. Chip Kelly leaves for Ohio State for an OC job. We're going to get to that. NFL awards They were given any major issues with it. We'll check on that. We'll see what we got going on with that. This is up on game. That is Plexico Burrs. This is Fox Sports Radio. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about those topics on the other side of it. All right. It's up on game. We'll be right back.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: Hey gang, this is Jay Glazer, host of Unbreakable,
0: a mental wealth podcast. And every week we will have on leaders from sports entertainment like Sean McVay, Lindsay Vaughn, Michael
4: Phelps, David Spade, Guy Fieri, and also those who can help us in between the ears. Anyone from a
0: therapist to someone like Ed Milet or John Gordon. We've all been through some sort of adversity. To get to the top, we've all used different tools. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer
4: and Mental Wealth Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
1: All right, Falcons owner
4: Arthur Blank says Ooh. Bill says some interesting things about the Bill Belichick non-hiring. We will, as I mentioned, get to the UCLA head coach leaving to be an OC at Ohio State. That that'll be pretty interesting to talk about. We are live from the tirerack.com dot com studio. That's Mr. Plexico Burris, I'm LeVar Arrington. And shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. So if you miss any of today's show, just be sure to check out the podcast. Just search up on game wherever it is you get your podcast. And be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search up on game wherever it is you get your podcast from. And you'll see this show posted right after we get off the air. All right. Uh. Plexico, the NFL awards were given out yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have Bo. Bo, can you please assist us on this one? Let's go through from from lowest level to top level. Just give us the finalists and the winner, and Plex, I just want your reaction on who won right. Did they get it right.
6: Okay, cool. So we'll start with the coach of the year here. Uh, the finalists, you have John Harbaugh of the Ravens, Kyle Shannon of the 49ers, Dan Campbell of the Lions. And then in second, you got D'Amico Ryans of the Texans, and the winner was Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. Him and uh, Ryans actually finished tied points-wise, but Stefanski had one uh, one more first-place vote, so he ended up winning that one.
4: There you go. What you think, uh, Plex? Did they get it right? Uh, you
5: know what? I think they got that one wrong. I think out of everything, out of all the awards for this season, I believe that D'Amico Ryans was... He earned to be the coach of the year with this with this team. You institute a, a, a rookie quarterback. He is the rookie of the year. You draft uh Willie Anderson Jr. from Alabama with the third He's pick. He's a rookie of the year. He's a rookie <laughs> idiot on defense. Yeah. And you take a Houston Texans football team. In the gutter. And everybody thought that even myself, we've talked about it on the show that the Houston Texans, the Arizona Cardinals, and the the uh, Carolina Panthers were going to be three of the worst teams in football. Mm-hmm. This man came over from San Francisco and put this team and wins the AFC South and takes them to the playoffs. And listen, I, I, I don't – I. I don't know how or who was voting or how it how it goes, but if you look if you look at this Cleveland Browns team, I get it. You know, Joe Flacco wins the wins the uh, comeback player of the year. You really don't expect. You know, you really, you really don't have any expectations for this football team after Deshaun Watson goes down. But you still have one of the best defenses in all of football. And Miles Garrett wins the Defensive Player of the Year award, which a lot of people are chirping saying that TJ Watt should have won it. But I believe that they got that right by giving Miles Garrett Defensive Player of the Year. But when it comes down to – if you look at both of these football teams and you look at their rosters, and you look at this defense from the Houston Texans and what D'Amico Ryan was able to do with this bunch of guys who are basically a bunch of no names before the season started. And everybody's saying, oh, you're starting a rookie quarterback. And everybody knows how, how that goes. He's going to have some ups and downs. This man was nothing but stellar for 16 weeks. Mm. He, uh, he, he did miss one game, so 16 weeks. Mm. But I think D'Amico Ryan should have been the coach of the year. I believe everybody would agree with me to the fact
4: that he should have won this award. While I'll say Stefanski overcame a lot, and I'm not mad at the pick, he didn't win the division with overcoming all of those difficulties. Mm -hmm. D'Amico Ryans overcame all those things you said and won the AFC South in his first year, and as you mentioned, with a rookie starting. I kind of felt like it should have went to D'Amico Ryans as well, but I wasn't upset. Um it wasn't overly egregious considering he had to overcome losing his his best running back losing losing so many people to injuries Deshaun uh-huh. Watson still ain't really played so I am not mad at it but let's go to the next one bo Uh
6: yeah next up comeback player of the year obviously uh, as Plax mentioned uh, Joe Burr or Joe Flacco ended up winning this one yep. uh finished with less first place votes than DeMar Hamlin who came in second but uh Hamlin didn't mm. get much support Outside of that, which uh, just goes to show that playing for the Jets might be the worst thing someone can do in the NFL.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Oh, man.
5: What you think? Uh, You know know what? Looking at Joe Flacco and the situation that the Cleveland Browns put him in, obviously with Deshaun Watson going down, uh, for him to basically come off the couch and, you know, to will this football team to – just like you said, they didn't win the division, but they did – you know, Joe did come out and give them some life. So, you know, I would say t- to to that point that he was deserving, even though I believe he only played like six or seven games. I don't know how you make that decision, but I, I, I guess that he was the, you know, uh, he was the only oh, – he, oh, he started five games and he wouldn't come back player of the year. Uh, you had Jameis Williams up there, Jamison Williams up there in Detroit who was coming off of ACL who played all, you know, 17 games. So I, I thought that he was deserving also. But, man, you know how it goes, man. You, know, you get a 16-year quarterback, 16-year veteran to come off the couch and, you know, put together a string of wings for, for a football team and not have them just contink, you know, uh, go down the drain. So, uh, you know, I, I will say that to that point, then, you know, uh, Joe was deserving.
4: I'll say this. You you came back from death yeah. to come back and play a game. Right. I just think DeMar Hamlin should have got it. If he played one snap – He should have got it, and I know some people may disagree with that, but that man was on his deathbed and not only recovered from being on his deathbed but actually got back into playing the game and was able to get back on the sideline and play a play. I don't care if it was a play that right. that to me, that's that is it to understand because, those daunting odds, that's that's right. crazy that he didn't get it. My opinion I, BX, I never thought the young man would play again. You are exactly yeah, right. I mean that's that's how I looked at it. But shots out to to Joe Flacco. I mean he was deserving. Um but I just felt like that was like a bigger deal in terms of well, the the world watched him basically die on the field and and then get resuscitated and come back. But there we go. What you got what you got, Bo?
6: The uh, Obviously, the Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, both go to the uh, Texans pair, C.J. Stroud. No real uh, complaint with C.J. Stroud yeah, there. Yeah. Um. Right. Will Anderson, Jr., he finished with uh, two more first-place votes than Jalen Carter of the Eagles and Kobe Turner of the Rams, which uh-huh. uh, that might be a little more egregious. Kobe Turner had a uh, really good rookie season, but maybe he got penalized playing next to uh, Aaron Donald there.
4: Well, I liked Kobe, but I'll say this. Jalen Carter was was running away with it. And and I mean, yeah. we saw what happened. They they kind of fell off of a cliff. So I didn't feel I, I felt good about I felt good about that pick with with both. And and obviously, there was no questioning the the, the offensive player of the year, uh, defensive defensive, uh, or I mean offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I I think they got them right here. Yeah. Go. Ahead. That what's what we got
6: next. All right. Next up, we got the defensive player of the year, uh, Browns offensive end Miles Garrett comes away with this one. TJ Watt, in second place. Micah Parsons behind him. Max Crosby and Deron Bland pulling in the uh, end of the wagon. There,
4: I thought Bland was going to run away with it, but he kind of cooled off. You know, I think there were. I mean, did he really cool off though? I mean, you thought that was enough. Did,
5: he did something in NFL history that that's never been done. I mean, you know, he can't control if teams choose to throw away from him. You, you, you notice know you know how, how this game works. If you have one corner who, who is great or having a great year, teams are going to you know, go away from him and not let him continue to dominate and have the season that he's having. So I, I got to say, man, I mean, for him to have six pick sixes, take, take them back to the crib, something that's never been done in NFL history, uh, I, I think that they got this wrong. I mean, I really do. Uh, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, Michael Parsons, you know, those guys came out and said something. And TJ Watt had uh, 19 sacks, Miles Garrett had 14 sacks, and, and Michael Parsons had 14 sacks. But uh, for the Defensive Player of the Year, for something that's never been done in this league, everybody's saying that, you know, TJ Watt didn't get it because he already won it. So Miles Garrett won it because, you know, it was going to yeah. yeah, be his first time. Yeah, it was going to be his first time. But I just think that, you know, for Deron Bland, the year that he had, especially with Trayvon Diggs going down, like, this guy was a nickel. He was a nickel corner. No, he was coming in on third down. He wasn't even a starter. So then Trayvon Diggs go down. They move Deron Bland to the right corner. And him and Stephon Diggs, I mean, not Stephon Diggs, um, Stephon Gilmore, they swap. They swap sides. So now Stephon Gilmore is playing a, a corner, a left corner that he's never played, and now Jerron Bland is playing outside, which he has never played because he got he guards the slot on third down. To be able to make that adjustment on the fly, defensively for him and and, and Dan Quinn to understand that and for him to go out and execute that and have the kind of season that he had, I believe that he should have won the Defensive Player of the Year.
4: All right, we got offense player. Before we go to our update and and get into another conversation, I'll say this. There wasn't a player that had bigger moments, dominant moments in the big moments of the regular season than Miles Garrett. That's what I'll say. The way he – Commanded attention, double teams, you know, the skint schematics of what you were going to do because of him being out there and then him being able to deliver big moment after big moment. Sometimes those things don't show up in the stats, but Miles Garrett was a dominant factor and a super, super dominant, impactful force to the Browns. So, I while I say Bland did some historical stuff, I still say Garrett's influence and impact on games. I don't I don't have a problem with it. I think they got it right. But let's go to an update. Let's get what, what Ilo's got going on. Let's get on the other side of this break, and we'll finish up with offense. Uh, who we got in? We got, got Copan. What's up, up? Copan? I know Cope. it's been a while. My apologies. Uh, yeah. All good. Yeah. I know. I right. was
7: very consistent with the Saturday morning gig, wow. but I know. I guess he's wanted right. to prep early for the Super Bowl.
4: Okay. All right. What we got? <laughs> all right. Well,
7: speaking of the Super Bowl, it's going to be pretty clean as far as the injuries go. We do know Chiefs All Pro left guard Joe Tooney is out due to a pectoral injury. Running Ooh. back Jarek McKinnon, he is questionable. Outside of that, Kansas City is good, and there's no one on the injury report for the fourth. 49ers, so they are fully healthy. And then as the Super Bowl wraps, we're going to get into the offseason. Of course, free agency in the draft bears with that number one pick. NFL media reporting this morning that Chicago would require a historic level of compensation to move off the number one pick, indicating they will likely take a quarterback with that first selection. And the NBA reports say Spencer Dinwiddie plans to sign with the Lakers after he Ooh. clears waivers. College football reports say former Washington offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb will not be the O.C. for Alabama and instead is headed back to Seattle to be the O.C. for the Seahawks. UCLA said it plans to have a new coach in place within four days after Coach Chip Kelly left for the offensive coordinator job at Ohio State. College basketball, few ranked teams in action already. Number one, UConn, a big lead on Georgetown, 30-14, seven minutes to play in the first half. Number 11, Wisconsin, trailing Rutgers, 30-24, to five minutes to go in the first half. And number 16, Alabama, on top of LSU, 42 to thirty-seven, four and a half to play before halftime. Second round of the Phoenix Open will wrap this morning. It was suspended due to rain, and then they'll get the third round going with split tees at three forty-five Eastern. Lavar Plex, back to you guys. Appreciate
4: Man, it. Kobe, running in Kobe. Phoenix, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. That's <laughs> right. very interesting. All right. Well, anyway, let's let's finish this thing up. Offensive Player of the Year, um, obviously. Give give it to us, Bo. Let's let's get it.
6: Uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, no surprise there, one offensive player of the year. He finished ahead of uh Tyreek Hill, Kill, C D Lamb, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott to win that award.
4: Do you like that plaques? Yeah. I mean, you know,
5: uh two thousand yards from scrimmage, uh, you know, fourteen hundred yards rushing and he had uh uh twenty one touchdowns. So I don't believe, you know, they got this wrong. I mean, he was the best running back in all of football and in, in all of football this year. With uh, rushing yards, yards from line of scrimmage, and touchdowns, so you can't give Lamar Jackson offensive player of the year and MVP. I don't
4: understand it because in my mind, that's why that's what makes me feel like this stuff doesn't make sense, man. Like if you're going to give you if you're going to give the offensive player of the year, it, basically to me, you're giving the offense the best offensive player of the season, the most valuable player. They should get Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, unless you're giving, unless you're making an award that that sees diversity, like do away with 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 Offensive Player of the Year, because quite frankly, it's like saying the Offensive Player of the Year is the offensive player that is most valuable to their team, but you're giving the most valuable player of the league award to the offensive player more often than not. So how many times have we seen a defensive player get it? Not very often. What Ray Lewis it is, got it, it. it, it Lawrence Taylor got it. often. Yeah. Like, I think Aaron Donald may have gotten it. Uh, I mean, I mean, it doesn't happen. So, so what does it matter who the offensive player of the year is? Because whoever's getting most valuable player of the year should be considered the most valuable player as the offensive player of the year as well. It's just weird to me. I don't know. It never made any sense to me. But do but you, go ahead. Do
6: you think there's like a chance we could just have the Peyton Manning Best Quarterback Award take the place of the MVP, and then I mean, I mean it doesn't else- to get sense. Off as the player of the year
4: i feel like that makes sense it makes sense like have best I mean, quarterback like of the year in college football right i mean because because to me the, the, nobody like defenders do not have a real chance of winning the heisman they just don't and the only reason why we had one dude win the heisman is because he played offense and special teams so when it really comes down to it as a defender it doesn't make sense to me when i look at how things are done, and it's like, well, this is the most valuable player. But what if the most valuable player on your team was somewhere else? What if it was a kicker? How many times have we ever seen a kicker win the Heisman or win national? I think Mark Mosley won um, most valuable <laughs> player at one point. I-, I think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I-, I mean, but I'm just saying, why? I mean, it's a discriminatory award. Why not just make it make yeah. it different? Because to I me. Christian McCaffrey, outside of Lamar Jackson, would be the one that I say was the most valuable offensive would, player to yeah. their, or most valuable player in the league to their team,
5: period. He would, be this, he would be the second. Christian McCaffrey is the second best player offensively, basically is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, yes that's I, exactly I, what I, I'm I, saying. I, I agree 100%. Okay. But that's, but that's not what the award is about. <laughs> that's just
4: now watch this watch this plex who were the finalists for this this offensive player of the year award
6: the finalists for the offensive player of the year award was uh christian mccaffrey tyree Tyre Hill, Hill, cd lamb lamar jackson and dak prescott
4: okay now read me the finalists for the mvp the most yes, valuable the, player award
6: the uh, mvp finalists uh lamar jackson won with uh, 49 first place votes he, yep. he got one third place vote Uh, Dak Prescott behind him quarterback Christian McCaffrey Brock Purdy and then Josh Allen who got the other first place vote. quarterback
4: so you you throw in one one token uh one token non-quarterback in there which is Christian McCaffrey who basically by default wins the offensive player of the year but none of those other guys were in the running for offensive player of the year right is Dak Prescott in there
6: uh no, Dak was or Dak well yeah, he was the uh second place finisher for I me mean, for, uh, for I, I, I offensive
4: player of the year. I may not know the history
5: of these oh, th- this award, but I would say go out on a limb and say there has never been an offensive player of the year and the MVP
4: in the same time. It's just weird to me, man. I don't think it's just no weird to me. Happen. So so what award do you give out first? <laughs> Shit, I don't. <laughs> you clearly the most important and most prestigious of them all is the is the Player of the Year. That's clearly the most prestigious one. But yet, if you're the most prestigious award winner and you're an offense player, how do you not get most often most valuable offense player of the year? It's a well, it's a hey, it's a I, it's a I'm qualifier. You, it's, a qualify, it's a qualifier. It's it's a it's it's a door prize for somebody else that doesn't get the award. That's that's so, that doesn't get the main award. Okay, so if the most valuable player is offensive, then there shouldn't be an offensive player of the year. That's what I'm saying. OK, that's that's my point. But anyway, wow. I digress. I mean, I just uh, congratulations to all the winners, by the way. And and I'm not you know, this wasn't a discussion that like do um, do any type of damage to anybody's reputation no, or anything. Not I think all. Christian McCaffrey did a hell of a job. I'm just wondering why is it that, like the reasoning behind all of that? But anyway, Man, listen, Tyreek Hill, eighteen hundred yards receiving. I mean, I mean, that ain't nothing to blink at either. Yeah, right? You can't sneeze. It is what it is. is. UCLA head coach Chip Kelly, he's leaving, but is it for the job that you expected? That's interesting. And Arthur Blank, he says Bill Belichick never asked for total control of organization. So we'll address those on the other side of this break. This is Up On Game, Fox Sports Radio.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
4: Go, 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 shorty, it's your birthday. Go, shorty, it's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. And welcome to Up On Game. Yeah, we're live from the Tire Rack.com studios. It's Plexus Burris and me. We got a little thing to talk about. What is it? Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> all right man i'm sorry i'm sorry i got carried away welcome back this is a Gay. we are live from tyrac.com studios it is tj hushman's i am lavar Arrington. all right let's quickly get to this um the falcons owner there were a lot of reports that came out that said falcons uh, people were nervous and bothered by bill belichick's power and they decided to go in a different direction falcons owner comes out he clears it up what did he have to say very quickly bo benson are you there, Bo? Are you there, Bo? What did he have to say? Yeah. You. All right, there we <laughs> Arthur
6: go. Blanca. He said that going through the interview process that while Bill Belichick did not ask for control, he had good interviews, but they ultimately decided to go with Raheem Morris instead of Bill Belichick.
4: It sounds okay to me to say that you felt like Raheem Morris was the better coach for, for the situation than Bill Belichick. Do you feel mm-hmm. like there's something more to it, or how you feel about it, Plex? Um, I do feel there's a lot more to it. Obviously,
5: Arthur Blank is not going to come out and give us a real reason why they brought Bill Belichick down to Atlanta to interview twice for this head coaching position, and they just up and make a decision to hire Raheem Morris. Hmm. Um I think what I said a couple of weeks ago is that we are seeing a shift in the coaching culture because, you know, uh, because of these generation of kids. Um, obviously Raheem Morris is uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a, he's a younger coach and, you know, obviously being in Atlanta, um, you know, he fits the city. Uh, I think uh, for what, the you the what you mean? What uh, you mean by that? I mean, Atlanta's a predominantly black city.
4: Oh, he's a black man. He's he's a black man. I don't he's see an any outrage answer. that Raheem Morris got the job. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, people oh, okay. are happy. People are excited. Okay. I, I just
5: think that uh, for them, for, for them to hire Bill Belichick, I thought that I think that it would be he- taking a step back because everybody knows what Bill Belichick is all about. You know, that kind of you know a controlling coach. You know, my way or the highway. You know, type of personality, and that is not what this game is about today. So I I think that all the banks got it right. Um, The Atlanta Falcons have a very young football team offensively. I think they're one missing piece to being a contending team in the AFC South and in the NFC um, Conference. They they just need a quarterback. You're -hmm. talking about this defense is one of the best defenses in, in the NFC. And also, you know, having B. John uh, Robertson, who was one of the most dynamic players in all of football, I can see him winning the Offensive Player of the Year award, you know, one, one day soon. But they just need a quarterback. And I think Raheem, you know, being an offensive-minded coach, quarterback, uh, you know, quarterback coach or whatever the case may be, that he can get the Atlanta Falcons, you know, uh, headed in the right direction. And he's a defensive coach. Well, it, well, he's an offensive-minded coach also. Because when when I was in free agency, he wanted me to come down to Tampa Bay, and uh, you know, I I had a chance to sit down and really meet with him. Okay. And uh, you know, uh, he's really he he really blew my mind as far as you know. You say he's defensive, but I believe he's
4: one of those guys that you know he understands offense. Okay. Well, let's transition. Let's transition to an offensive guy, Chip Kelly. Thought, seemingly thought he was going to leave the college ranks because of NIL to go to the NFL and be an offensive coordinator there. Lo and behold, he goes to be an offensive coordinator, but not in the league at Ohio State. Uh, what's your impressions? Um, I think Chip Kelly, he, he, Chip Kelly was on his way out the door
5: at UCLA. Oh, so you think he beat him? Yes. He he beat him to the punch. He was on his way out the door because there's no way that you leave the position that you're in as a head coach at UCLA. To take a backwards position. To join Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes to be an offensive coordinator.
4: Unless they're paying him a whole lot of money and they're looking at Ryan Day as if he doesn't win the big one this year, they're going to be looking for a coach. And now Chip Kelly's already in place. Man, listen. It was basically
5: Chip Kelly resigning from U- UCLA by taking this offensive coordinator job at at um,
4: Ohio State.
5: Ohio State. You talking about man? This man was making twenty two million dollars a year as as the as the head coach in UCLA. So that tells me that where there's smoke, there's fire. He knew that, that, that this day was coming soon. This was going to be his last year coaching at UCLA, and he was going to have to find him another job. So what he did, he jumped ship and went to uh, Ohio State because he knew that his days at U-
4: UCLA was numbered. The the transfer portal was closed, but I guess that don't apply to coaches. Good luck to him, though. I mean, it seems like that's a real great move for Ohio State. I'll tell you that. I mean, I don't know where that leaves UCLA, but good luck to him and good luck to UCLA on that. Uh, Not so much for you, Ohio State, but I'm sure he'll do some really good stuff for y'all. This is a point game. This is Fox Sports Radio. We do have hour two coming at you. Yeah, we're going to talk Super Bowl, and we'll continue to talk, well, some football, all right? We'll be right back. Fox Sports Radio.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.